Earlier this month, Daryl and I got a chance to hang out with J.R. Brow uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I uh, got to go thrift store shopping, got to find some cool classical uh, acoustic style guitars, and uh, we got to enjoy some unbelievable barbecue north of the Texas border uh, at a place called Burn Co. Uh, we sit down, break bread together, and uh, share our lives with you guys. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Felsberg. I'm Brandon Davidson. We're both professional comics, and we travel the country telling jokes. We don't always get along or even see eye to eye on things, but we've got two things in common. We're funny, and we love barbecue. Damn right. Each episode, we meet up with a comedy friend or a celebrity on some of the best barbecue dives in the world, and we record it live. Food and funny? It doesn't get any better than that. This is Comedy Barbecue. All right, welcome to uh, Comedy Barbecue. I'm Daryl. Hey, I'm Brandon. And we are in Tulsa, Oklahoma at uh, Burn Co. B-U-R-N space C-O. period. I'm assuming that's short for company? I would hope so. I think so. Young man named Nick. We met online. Uh, a short guy. A nice guy. Uh, came out, brought us uh, all kinds of uh, food that we'll be talking about as we're going along. And... Uh, so uh, we're, it's kind of a rainy day. It's been kind of a kind of a bore actually outside, but it's hopping in here. It is. It's beautiful, man. This uh, Nick was a beautiful man. Came out, brought us just beautiful stacks of barbecue. Word. Stacks, uh, stacks piles, of barbecue. Piles. Uh, just a, uh, a virtual cornucopia Ooh. of uh, smoked. I meat. like that word. I like cornucopia. He and, said this was a chopped brisket, right? Yes, chopped brisket, sliced okay. brisket. I'm gonna take a picture of this, and you guys will oh. be able to see it. Totally I'll forgot. do that now. I'm going to snap Yeah, pick. we better get picks. No, get in it, JR. We'll, we'll all get in it. Our, our, uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm not opposed to uh, to taking a selfie with all this food. JR, can you get in it right now somehow? Yeah, look at that. Got it. Absolutely. Sweet. So there you go. That's great for listening. As you just heard us do a selfie. This is in a bunch of touring medium. Yeah, yeah. We're we're idiots, right? Yeah. So we're just hanging out here, Burnco. Uh, super rainy day here. They got a ton of rain last night, Tulsa, and people are losing Five their minds. Oh, losing shit. Mm-hmm. I would say. You better get some. Oh, there. Yeah, I get. Maybe that's what we should do: is get the food off the top first. Yeah. To make room for the food on the bottom. Yeah. Doing Lord's work. All right. So we, uh, our guest today, Brandon, is uh, J.R. Brow. Hey, Brandon. Hey. What's up, Daryl? What's up, J.R.? J.R. is I'm excited. a uh, touring comic. Been all over the world. Uh, yeah, except for Sri Lanka. Well, mostly everyone. There's always June. But you get a chance. You've done, you've done like um, shows for the military. Yeah. Uh, cruise ships. Yeah, uh, I, I think my favorite thing to tell people is, that, oh, I've been to Guantanamo Bay. I've actually done shows for the Navy there. Really? Uh-huh. And then we did uh, uh, Korea, Japan, uh, the good the good Korea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the good one. Yeah. I like that. That's funny. And the um, and we did, uh, I did Germany and um, Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan, can't stand to be here. Uh Iraq. Wow. Motherfucking, yeah, it was, it was a lot. A little bit of everywhere. Yeah, and I'm, I'm at this point where I'm like, people go, oh, would you go back? You know, there are certain guys that do it, and they they do go back, but I'm like, nah, 
the, yeah. I got to see every latrine uh, in the United States has to <laughs> offer worldwide. You yeah. did your thing. Yeah. Now, do you guys, when you go, do you sleep in the barracks, or where do you go? Sometimes they'll be like, man, we're fob hopping is what they call it, uh, forward operating base, fob. And that's when they're in the field. That's like the Marines are the first to go out, and then the Army and so forth. The, uh, so they conquer more and more land, so to speak. So they have these operating bases, and they're like, oh, well, that's, that means it's a temporary base. So yes, then it'll be tents. And they'll be like, oh, you get the transit tent. What's that? Oh, that's the tent where guys have, and, and uh, put your fork down for a second, uh, where the guys that don't know where the latrine is will just go in their water bottles and then leave them sitting under the bunk. You're like, so you're like, what is all that? Is that lemonade? Like, no, no, no. you got to get rid of that. No, that's some dude's piss. <laughs> yeah. That's hot piss, yeah. And I hate to say that while we're having unbelievable tasty barbecue. No, but we're men. We get it. Some of our listeners are men. They understand. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times we'll be staying in the barracks or they'll have guest quarters, as they call them, and usually provided by uh, the Air Force. And that's a requirement because they're the ones that have air conditioning. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Army does too, but get it to working right is another thing. And so, like, you... Did you know that, like, uh, FOB was, like, Ford Operating Base, or is that just because your dad was in the military and you sort of... Well, I'd heard the term when I was a kid. Sure. But I didn't, but the term FOB hopping, I didn't know what that meant until I was a comic. Huh. Because in one day, we'd do five shows. You know, we'd just go in and do, like, 10, 15 minutes a piece of four of us comics, you know, and and then it was called FOB hopping. We'd get on a, on a Huey... And then they fly us to the next one. That's oh, they have a, a, a Black Hawk. We'd fly on a Black Hawk, and the guy would go, All right, sirs, welcome aboard. Uh, you know, this unbelievable machine. They're like, Would you guys like to take the uh, the, the regular route or the, uh, uh, what do they call it, combat? And we're all like, Regular, please. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like and they, they, you know, the guy would wink, and then we'd be doing these amazing banks and stuff in a helicopter. Oh! Like, it was like every ride in Six Flags all at once. It was pretty amazing. Wow. So I was very fortunate. That's very cool. All right. So we're, we're in Tulsa. Yeah. And we're actually, we're all working together. What are you looking for? I was just seeing what other kinds of meat we've got stacked and hidden under here. There's yeah, so well, there's, uh, if you look at the photograph, there was, they make their sausages in-house, you said. The, the, uh, there's a venison. There's a... A beef and jalapeno. There's a right pork. Um, they make fatties. If you don't know what a fatty is, that's where they weave. Yeah, let me have one of those too, if you don't mind. That's where they weave bacon into a sheet, and then you put a 90% lean chuck on it and, and flatten it out, and then put cheese, like blue cheese or jalapenos or maybe even some other meat, a like chicken or whatever, and then they roll it up and smoke it, and then slice it like a loaf. Wow. Yeah, that's what that is right there. That's, and it's rare to see that in a, in a, barbecue, in a barbecue retail establishment. That's, that's more like a home barbecue. That's thing. what we do in our pit smoker at home. Yeah. So that's uh, it's fun to see, fun to dive into. So we'll, we'll talk things why we'll I like it. Why I like the brisket already. Dry rub. Dry rub? Yeah, it's not a sauce. Not marinated overnight. No, it doesn't mop or anything. Yeah. That's that's the kind of stuff that we're uh, that we're after. And, so. and what's cool is, you know, Nick, the pitmaster here, you know, he, he brought us out just this giant tray of food, 
And, uh, and the brisket, I mean, he said it had been sitting just for a little while before he brought it to us, and it still had great flavor. Uh, it was awesome. Let's be fair. Meanwhile, the people in line are not going right. to get the... the <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we need to point out. They yeah. knew we were coming. They set some food aside for us. There's a line to the door now that's how where fast it goes. people were just getting their choice of chicken or pulled pork because the beef is gone and they saved it for us and it's been sitting around for a little bit you know what happens it gets a little dry it's fantastic it's not even I, I feel yeah. like royalty right it's now yeah. These, I feel like I have to kind of put a hood over me like and don't eat. watch me eat guys yeah, so and we're on an elevated our platform, platform. Um, yeah. yeah, shame curtains. <laughs> no, that's right, yes. That's a great joke, by the Thank way. Thank you. Well, you love all my stuff. These, uh... No, there's three minutes of your material. I don't care for it. <laughs> Ironically, neither do I. Uh, these, these pork ribs, these are outstanding. Good. The ribs are great. God damn, everything's good. Okay, so... Yeah, let's do it. As we kind of launch into a topic, I wanted to um, hear from you guys. Growing up, like, what was your first job that you had that was for, like, for money? Okay. Um, oh. Not just, like, doing shit in the yard or whatever, but, like, what was your first, uh, like, a, a paying job? And uh, and then, well, maybe your first job is your worst job, but if your first job wasn't your worst job, what was your worst job also? I delivered paper. I used to throw papers. Yeah. That was a paper route that I had. It was a pretty big one. And uh, I got good, and it actually helped me later in baseball. Because, I mean, I had, paper is about the same weight as, as, a, huh, as a baseball. And so I got good at chucking things uh, over the over my dad's, the roof of my dad's car. That's awesome. Um, but on the collection route, that was a different story. Why it then became the worst job I ever had is I got rabies. Uh, I, was, I was collecting, you know, you got to go in some, to, to the door, knock on the door, get the money. That was the old school ways of getting news, by the way. It was called, it was, you couldn't get it online, you just read it. Yeah. And so the, the honor system was, okay, I'll throw you a paper every day. And but at then, some point, I need $2. Check. Yeah. yeah. And I would go. I went to this door, and there was, uh, you know, and they tip every once in a while. Here's an extra dollar. Go get yourself something nice, kid. Gee, Mister, thanks. Yeah. And uh, there was a dog barking, and I didn't think she was going to do anything. It was a little, I don't know what it was. It was fucking dogs. What it was. <laughs> and uh, she just had puppies, uh, and she. Uh, just launched out from behind a bush and bit me square in the leg and uh, I, I was nine, ten years old yeah. and, uh, I had to go get the tetanus shot and they realized they took, drew blood and said oh he also has uh, yeah so they had to give me that, those needle shots in the it's stomach 16 of them right? Yeah. Is there a shot that you may have actually had rabies before you went to the doctor? <laughs> yeah well you know the probably not yeah <laughs> Like they realized it then. No, it was a. Uh, that was probably the the worst experience of my life, and I and I never threw another paper after that. Wow. That was it. You're yeah, done. It was easy. They didn't need a two weeks notice. I mean, they, yeah. Like, oh, he got bit on the leg. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> uh, my first job ever. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and uh, I would always do stuff around for no. It was for no money really. Um, just part of living there. But the dude who owned all of our property. He had uh, some bulls that he needed to sort of manage, 
And so he's like, hey, I'll pay you four bucks an hour if you'll sit in a lawn chair and anytime you see a bull go towards the other bull, there were two separate fields. If you saw them go towards each other, shoot one of them in the nuts. And I just had a little pellet gun, and you would just pump it 10 times, and if I saw one go, I would always have one ready. you shoot a bull? Shoot him right in the nuts. Wow. And they were, and I guess somebody had the job before me, because I was super nervous that I'm gonna shoot one in the nuts and he's just gonna come towards me. But they knew, you shot him in the nuts, and they just went, they just, they were okay, never forget about it. They'll just go somewhere else. That's a nice job. It was, it was sweet. I, I did it for, uh, just for a few weeks, and that's all they needed it for while they- Did they put that on a resume? I don't know how, put that on there. Uh, attention to detail. Cattle uh, corraler. Uh, you were a cowboy. I was a cowboy. Bull boy. Yeah. Well, that's anything or not. And I don't know that that was my. I don't know that that was my worst job. That was your first. Wait, job. it gets worse than that. I uh, I when I was 14, I uh, lied to a restaurant and told him I was 16. Oh shit. Um, and there I, you go. I got a job there as a dishwasher and. I ended up becoming a short order cook there, which was a nightmare because I couldn't cook anything. So I did that for maybe two hours and uh, and then staged a walkout. I got the entire staff to, to walk out with me and we all got jobs at parties. What an asshole. Yeah, I shut that place down. Country sampler it and it never reopened. Is this a true story? True story. You know what? Every episode we've done in the last year, I've learned something terrible about you. Every episode, something new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt, I felt bad about that. Because it was just like, it was sort of a mom and pop. Yeah. But, but the guy who ran it was an asshole. And, uh, and he would take advantage of everybody who worked there. And the reason I ended up walking out was he had me cooking. And then he's like, you suck at this. And I'm like, yeah, great. Newsflash. And so he asked me to go clean the walk-in cooler with chemicals that you're not supposed to mix together. But I couldn't open the door, so I was getting no ventilation. Oh, man. And I was like, hey, if I'm going to clean, I've got to open the door to the walk-in. He's like, well, then everybody else will smell it. And I was like, oh, well, if everybody else can smell it, is that a problem? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, but it's not a problem for me. He's like, well, no, I just need you to clean it. I was like, ah, fuck this. So I, I got, I was persuasive wow. enough that I got the whole crew to walk out, and then they, uh, they, they never reopened. Wow. Good that you shut him down. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's a fair thing. My first job was a uh, to the JTPA. I was. Uh, what is that? Junior training partnership act to take kids from uh, low-income families and they give them some light testing and some uh, a little bit of training. They give them jobs and do partnerships with other companies. And I got a job working at the Naval Air Station in Corpus Christi at the Consolidated Civilian Personnel Office. That was my first, I was 14 or 15. That was my first legal job. You know? What did have you do? Uh, about 1986-87 so they were converting all the position descriptions of all the civilians on the base into a digital format so they had these big IBM console computers and so for the first two weeks I sat at a computer eight hours a day and punched this information in which for a kid 1987 that's like war games you know you're you're, you're and all of a sudden you're te technology Tim right yeah. then after the first two weeks the next day I came in 
and uh, my supervisor said, you're going to be uh, helping us shred some paperwork. And they took me to a classroom, and they had boxes about nine feet deep and about seven feet high full of paper. All those position descriptions they were entering the computer were being saved. Nothing could leave the base unless it's shredded. Yeah. You can't go in the trash like that. It's got to be torn up. So they were saving all this for the summer help. So for eight hours a day for the remainder of six weeks, I shredded paper by myself in a room. So I, I would get like this continuous feed dot matrix paper. Oh yeah, because they were all linked together. So I'd put in this big industrial uh, shredder, just start it, and then I'd go to the bowling alley for a couple hours, <laughs> or I'd go <laughs> fuck with the secretary for a little bit, and then come back and it'd still be feeding into this great big 150 gallon bag, just tube of paper. And then the highlight, it was on the second floor, was she told me I could I could just toss it up the window onto the ground right down there. The bags? Uh-huh. On the base. Cool. So that was a highlight at 5 o'clock. Man, I was shoving these, and then I had to take the bus back home. It was a, I learned a lot about red tape, political bullshit, dealing with people and bureaucracy and government. I always said I, I never wanted to work I did? I actually, my second job, I got hired... Uh, I was in Corpus, and my job was to wait for these bags to come out, and I would glue these strips of paper together <laughs> for a spy. And, oh. Uh, yeah. oh, and that man was Julian Assange. Yes. <laughs> I remember J.R. Gates. Was, yeah. uh, that was an important, important deal. That was my first. I mean, that was my first like legal job. I had I worked since wild. I was twelve. You yeah. were typing at the age of how old? fourteen or fifteen. Just like Tom Brokaw. Oh, yeah. In yeah, the military. Yeah, yeah it was for the JTP. You'd be a general by now. I'd be a GS-12, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, no, that was Army. Wait, uh, Navy's WG. Which was, like, the highest civilian ranking? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, that was your first job. What was your worst gig? Writing paper. Um, the same one? I don't know. Worst job? Four jobs, three jobs. I worked with one company for 15 years, so that was a long time, I guess, for anybody. I'll tell you mine. I was, I was working at Caramel Corn with a friend of mine. You remember Caramel Corn? There was a place in the mall where yeah. they <laughs> caramelized corn in a, in a big copper bucket, and then they put the popcorn in, and then they make caramel corn out of it. Anyway. Yep. I got tired of that job. So my friend uh, got a job at the at his apartment complex and all we had to do was help clean out apartments as people were moved. A lot of times people would just get evicted from their apartments. It's, it's uh, but the things people would leave behind. Oh was, yeah. You know, you're, I was 15. And like I said, this was the most disgusting job probably I ever had. Was cleaning apartments for people. Oh yeah. First it started out. Oh, you just get to you just get to trim the hedges around the apartment complex. Cut the grass. Come help me clean this shit out of this place. <laughs> they left everything, and then you go and just sift through people's lives. Yeah. That they left behind, and you're like, oh, you just. You just it was. Uh, I don't want to even describe some of the shit. I so, saw. like in a way, if you were going to put that on a resume, you could have said you were an archaeologist. Yes. Right? You're sort of layer by layer going through people's lives. No, I would just list the fact that I was a gardener. Yeah. Right. I never sifted through people's lives, but wow. that was. I guess the worst job I ever had was the one I did for the longest was selling vacuums. <laughs> and it's good and it's bad. 
but there's some bad stuff in there. I mean, Selling you know, what? Vacuums, door to door. Did it for a long time. The ones from Walla Walla, Washington? <laughs> so vacuum finished door to door 15, 18 years. Made a ton of money at it. Did good at it. Really? But it was tough. So it was probably, yeah, like at times it was probably a really great job, and then yeah. at times really just not fun at all. What brand? Kirby. Those big old heavy ass silver ones? Until about 2008. Started, I started in 91. When a Dyson kind of screw you guys out of a job? No. No, never had a problem. That was never the issue. We used to trade for them all the time. It was just, it's hard work because you do it direct. You don't, there's no, you know, but once you did it, if you if you were resilient, you did, you know, you had the right attitude, it was, it was great. You know, I, mean, I made a ton of money. I did really well. The but, commissions were killer? Oh, yeah. But in the contest, I mean, I went trips, you know, I mean, all over, all over the place. I, I won, should have won, won Rolexes, that type of thing. I mean, won all kinds of shit. But nope. it's hard work, though. So no pun intended, it didn't suck. No, it didn't. Hey, now. Well, who's there? Run by Satchel. <laughs> What's your worst job, by the way? Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a good job, but it was also kind of a bad job. I uh, worked at a one-hour photo at a Walmart, and uh, so it could be really great because people would bring in pictures that they had convinced yes. their girlfriends to let them take, or yeah. you know, stuff like that. And we actually had an we had an old guy who worked there named Jim that would um, <laughs> he would pull, he would pull those Jim pictures would, out. Yes, he would. He would pull those pictures out and make copies of them. And particularly skeezy dudes that would come in, he would ask them if they were looking for anything, and he would take them outside and sell them pictures out of the <laughs> trunk of his car. He was eventually fired, but he made a ton of money on the side that way. Um, they eventually fired him because he was stealing a colloidal silver, because the, the machines we used to develop the images would collect colloidal silver, and you'd have to pour it out, and then the guys from Fuji would come in and, and take it. And he was, I guess, um, I don't know, putting in ice trays or something. And, Black market? Yeah, selling the wow. silver. Um, but uh, So it was really cool. You could see some really crazy stuff. Like, probably the coolest thing I ever saw was a dude brought in, his, he was college age, he brought in Fourth of July photos, and he had a Roman candle stuck right between his ass cheeks, and it was firing off. <laughs> and there were multiple pictures of somebody was taking it. The first couple of pictures, he was smiling, and then like the third or fourth picture, he'd realize like he was grimacing. <laughs> and, I, and, I took, and I kept that picture. I made it like a wallet sized, and I kept it so if I was ever having a bad day, I could just pull out that picture and go, "I'm not this dude. You're not that guy. Life is all right." But the but the worst part of that gig was the town I lived in was about uh, 10,000 people. Oh. So the police department didn't have a place to develop their crime scene photo. Oh no. And it was a small town, so it wasn't like there was crazy stuff happening. But if they would ever, um, you know, go, uh, I remember one time in particular, they found a man who had died in his home, and he'd been there for a few days, and just at varying stages, as they were taking him out of his bed, and we had to process all that. Yeah. Now, on a side note from that, as you're saying that, I just read an article in the news about uh, people in Indonesia, there's this thing that custom they do, like if they have a, die, a dead relative, They'll pump him full of this chemical to keep his body preserved. And like for 10, 14 years, just living with him. Like he, they, they treat him like they bring him food, they change his clothes, they wash it. And it's the most disgusting thing. Like, wow. Because they don't consider him dead yet. Like, well, when he's dead, when we bury him. 
oh, oh, it's not, it's not official until we say it's official. Wow. Yeah, but you see this, you see the steady stages of, like you said, the decomposition. That's what right. reminded me of that. Wow. Delicious. Boys. Enjoy your food. Well, yeah, so. Grab <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Do you want any of these beans or this? I know you don't like vegetables. What he's saying is, I don't, I don't, oh, they're killer. I don't want any of that. I may have some of the beans. These ribs are unreal. Some, there's a couple of these left. Yeah. You guys need one. The, the beans are great. I don't know what all's in them, but they're terrific. The uh, the potato thing is good too. Well, I gotta go with some of this brat. You guys aren't. The brat's very good. God damn it. I'm not gonna. I don't. All right. We're not. We can't be too biased because we can't stake a claim to. But this is this has been uh, one of the best food experiences so far. You know, there's more, there's more. You know, I've been really pleasantly surprised. I will. I'll get some in a second. Your beans are good for you. Oh well, I've been. I didn't know what to expect because I didn't either. I'm a real. I love Texas barbecue. Uh, so, we've had barbecue in other states, and, right? And they've been okay, but this one, man, I love everything about it. I, I like the atmosphere. I like the food. The, the flavors are great. We got. Well, we get to talk to Mark, the owner. I think is what Nick was telling me. So we'll, we'll visit with him. So I'm, I'm curious about some of the some of the things they've done, the the, uh, the additives. But all right. So what's the what's the next topic? What are we working on? Okay. So since we've had a chance to hang out so far this week, yesterday we got to spend some time going around to Salvation Armies, Goodwills. Yeah. yeah did we ever? God we were it. doing a little Ameri- <laughs> American picker stuff. Yeah. We were going um, dead ends with Goodwill because yeah. Were fucked up uh, yeah. map system. Yeah. <laughs> like three of them are closed. So, so Jr. You do this occasionally. Like when you're in a new town, you'll try to find stuff. Almost, I would say 90% of the time that I'm in a town that I have at least two days in. Yeah. I will find. Yeah, I'm the uh, the original American picker since fucking the 90s. So what what's something like? Um, what do you think is your coolest find? I was telling you guys that yesterday I found a Motorola radio, like portable radio from the, had to be the 40s. It was one of the first portable radios that they ever had. It it, it battery powered, and it was this weird sized battery that you can't get anymore, but it also had a plug on the side, and it wasn't working. And it's just a weird thing. And the antenna was the handle that you pull up and twist, and and it would be an antenna. It was weird. It wasn't working, but I took it apart. And just like my dad, who would take everything apart and then go, ah, fuck it, and throw it away, I'd pick it back up and try to fix it. I learned how to fix stuff from my dad's frustration about being able to fix stuff. Right. And so I just tinkered with it, and I got it going, and put a new radio tube in it, and uh, it came to life. That was it. And I, I, ba- I paid... Twelve dollars for it, and it was worth uh, six hundred. Wow! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yesterday's fine, not so much. But we, you, you looked online. It was a silver tone acoustic guitar at a Salvation Army. Yeah. Who yeah. yeah. And you know, you you see a guitar in Salvation or Goodwill. They're usually it's a piece of crap, a honer or something. But like the, shit back. But through the glass, looking at this, this was a really cool classical guitar. It didn't look very worn. No. And uh, just had a really nice color to it. We were out the door. Yeah, yeah. We were out the fucking door, and it just caught my eye. I turned around and went, wait a minute, there's glass. Uh Uh-huh. And I was so glad. And you know, remember how ballsy I was? Like, I'm going to get that. Mm -hmm. But i got to call my wife first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she gave him the go-ahead, uh, the green light. Summer's a gem. And, and then I hung up like, I told her I was going to get it. I was going to get it no matter what, she said. <laughs> and then this morning, I was—I uh, woke up this morning, 
listening to Uh-oh. the sound of rain. Yeah. And it's the sound of you guys just having a hoedown in the living room. Yeah, and we jamming. It was <laughs> it was great. Yeah, we were we were playing guitars and terrible eighties cover songs. So yeah, it was I, good. I got to eat my McGriddles between you guys. Yeah. I do have I still have one McGriddle in my bag. McRiddle me this. How good are they? They're they're surprisingly good, but they're almost almost certainly diarrhea. Do you have to eat them when they're hot, or like if they get weird cold? You could put them in the microwave and, and make it work Ooh, again. Hell yeah! But it's they're, a pancake they're, sandwich. They're best right out of the drive-through window. Okay. You hopefully delivered to you by some sort of a uh, a gawk for a woman. That just seems to make it better. She okay. just hands it to you. It's pancakes injected with syrup, and there's, t- you know, that's the that's the bun with bacon, and, and you could sausage or bacon or egg or whatever. You will there. stick so your dick in that. Yeah, you're gonna have to pull forward for that, sir. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was holding one. I was holding one. I was gonna throw it at you on stage tonight. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I asked for. Oh, you'd be great. Guys, we're good. Yeah, there it is. I think. Uh, what, what, what's the best find you ever found? Picking or, or, or thrift shopping or estate selling? Uh, it's lame, but I uh, I found uh, I found a really nice uh, jacket. Uh, like I went in and it just it was my exact size, forty four short. Uh, it was an LL Bean jacket, uh, and it was just looked like it had never been worn. I started looking at the buttons; it still had the paper on all the buttons. Wow. So, somebody just bought it, got it as a gift or something, took it in, and uh, I got it. I paid, think I paid seven dollars for it at a, cons- at a uh, too deal. much, too much. Right, right. I'd have yeah. talked him down. Yeah, but it was it was a pretty sweet deal. What about you? I don't know. I keep trying to think. The only thing, I, well, it's something memorable. How's that? I went to an estate sale. And I picked up a, uh, yeah, okay. Take, uh, you, take, uh, well, hang on, let's do this. Uh, let's, let's take a quick break and we'll come break. back in a second. Yeah, let's do no. that. Right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick break. We'll do, we we'll normally do a break. But it lets this conversation because I definitely want to hear this. Oh, you're going to want to. Hey, guys, let's do, it, let's do a tease. It involves a celebrity. Guys, when we come back from this break, you're not going to believe what Daryl found when he was at it on the state sale and who it might have belonged to. More after this. Guys. That was a super professional tease that I just did just then. Hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, if you're looking for more information about JR, Daryl, or myself, you can find us on the internet because we're uh, professional comics and this is what we do. We just hang our shingle out there for you guys to find us and love us and heap adoration on top of us. Um, if you're looking for JR, you can go to his website, jrbrow.com. Be sure to click on his calendar. Um, if he's coming to a city near you, you got to get your ass there. He's super funny. You'll enjoy it. If you're looking for Daryl Felsberg, go to DarylFelsberg.com. See when he's coming to your city. And uh, if you're looking for me uh, on the web, you can go to IamBrandonDavidson.com. All right, back to the show. All right, hey, guys, we're back. Had to refill our drinks. We had to refill our drinks. While we were, JR and I were getting a soft drink, Brandon, you may or may not know this, a young man uh, accosted us and said, you guys were terrific last night. He saw us at the shows. He said all three of you guys were fantastic. Yeah. And uh, he told me to tell you hello. Who was his favorite? Was that his favorite? I I was, clearly. Well, there he is there. Um... If I get his attention, I'll ask him. Oh shit! Here we go. We'll, we'll find out very quickly. Uh, don't do that. Oh uh, no! Don't don't be embarrassed. Let's find out. Let's put everybody on the spot. This this is a live comment card. Whew. This oh. is. We're gonna be like Bill Russ, Whew. and we're gonna analyze this and see what. All right. So let's go back to uh, the things that we found. Okay. Yeah. So we before the break we teased that you uh, 
you went to an estate sale. I did. And you found a. I found a KK Friedman doll in a box. Oh yeah. And from about 2006, because I think it's when it's dated, or 2000, somewhere right there. And I immediately snatched it up. And as, as you know, maybe you don't, Kinky's a good friend of mine. And so I called Kinky. Yes. And I was like, hey, I found this doll. So next time I see him, I sort of goes, oh, I don't even have one of those. And I was like, well, here, take it. And he was like, no, 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 it's yours. I don't want you to have it. Oh, cool. And uh, I said, well, we'll do something fun with it. And he goes, I'll, I'll sign its asshole for you. <laughs> and I don't know if he did or not, and I wouldn't open it back up to see. And I think I'll have to. Pete's one of those guys that if you're, like I have all these books, of course, and, he, and he'll, anytime I see him, he'll bring me his new one or whatever. And when he signs it, it's always something derogatory. And then a phone number in case it changes, you know? Huh. And uh, he's just, he's one of those guys. But uh, how do you get that name, do you know? No, I don't know, and I never asked. I've always, I just I've always wanted to ask where that, how that popped up. It's, do you think it was his hair? His point? real name is, is Richard. Has he always been in politics? No. He's a musician for a long, long time. He was Bob Dylan's opener during the early 70s. That makes Yeah. He was uh, uh, Kinky Friedman and the Texas Jew Boys, and they, tra- <laughs> and they traveled around, and they- he was on Saturday Night Live. He was, I think he was the first musical act on Saturday Night Live the night Carlin hosted. I'm pretty sure of it. I'll have to go back and see. He is the, like, the only person that proudfully talks about his, uh, his award that he got from now, the uh, Women's Association, for pig male, male pig chauvinist of the year because of the song about, uh, uh, what is it, put, your, uh, put, the, put the rolls in the oven and get your buns into bed. And so everybody lost their shit. <laughs> He's a trip, man. He's fun. First time, first time I met him, he, uh, I say first time, right around probably the third or fourth time I got to know him, he said, he said I thought, he goes, I thought you were Jewish. And I said, no. He goes, well, I figured with Felsberg you were Jewish. I said, no. He goes, well, I'm not gonna lie to you. He goes, you, you were you were one of my favorite comics. <laughs> were. And I said, what am I now? He goes, I'm 63 or 64. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm not a Hebrew, I guess. So that's funny. anyway, but yeah, that was my. I'm sure I've got other finds, but it's the only thing that comes to mind. Yeah, you know. Okay. If you live where you live, or how how did he get to see you, meet you? I I'm just him, curious because no, I met him on a uh, a Make a Wish deal where he was doing a show and uh, he was starting to get ready to run for governor, and I was hired to MC the show. Okay. And then we just kind of hit it off. And then I did another show, and then another show. And then after time, just kind of built this little bit of a friendship. And then uh, I started to, uh, when I opened up that room in Paris, I needed some sort of an act. Yeah. And I thought, I'll give Kink a call. And he's like, hell yeah, I'll come up. And he came up. That's so cool. And then, uh, that is awesome. and, yeah. and, he, and if you want, you can go down to his, uh, he's got a beautiful ranch down outside of Vanderpool in uh, the Hill Country by Kerrville, uh, South Kerrville. And uh, it used to be, his parents had like a children's home type thing, and uh, they, it was a camp actually for children. And now it's just a, 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 a kind of like a shelter for animals, and that's what he raises money for. Half his shows, they'll do tours to raise money for all these animals. That's a lot. Dogs, cats, llamas, miniature horses. He's got... I don't know, probably 600 acres down there, whatever it is. Wow. Texas Hill Country. So when he came and did your room, does he do 
anything close to stand-up, or is he mostly a storyteller? No, he's a storyteller. And he tells you stories about the songs, but when he does, he's t- he'll tell you, this is me and Willie, and this is when we were doing this, and this is how, you know, he's telling this song came from this, uh, me and uh, Chris Christopherson, because he ran in that group for a long time. They were all part of that. He just wasn't the, the handsome one, I guess, that would be one of the highway men, you know, he was... It was the farm and market road. Yeah. Okay, so one thing I learned about you, JR, yesterday was, and you can talk about this as much as you want to or not at all. So when you were growing up, you were in an auto accident that you lost your ability to smell. Yes. And, but I thought it was really interesting, as you talked about that, how it actually maybe uh, heightened your ear. Um, oh, the, the like, sense of hearing? Right. Well, they always say when you lose one sense, the others actually do heighten to compensate for your ability to have judgment. But one thing I thought was really interesting when we were talking was, you know, how smell is so closely associated with memory and how, you know, you're talking about, like, uh, maybe, like, seeing something and maybe memories coming back. Does that happen with you, like, with songs? Like, if you hear a certain song or if you're playing your guitar, does it bring certain things back? Yeah, yeah, actually, um particularly songs of my parents' generation and in my younger days, you know, I'll hear something from an American Top 40, you know, a jingle. Yeah. You know, counting down the hits to 1972. You know, whatever. And I'll remember where I was. I was in my bedroom. My mom told me, you know, your father's uh, going to need help out of the yard. And just weird little things that, that trigger memories are now through sight and sound. Yeah. Compared to, like, walking in here, I bet everybody in the world standing in that line that didn't get chicken smelled the brisket and still yep. cried. Because, you know. Yep. But memories come back to mind when you smell food. Mm-hmm. Right? You ever been in a restaurant and you, and you all of a sudden think back to, uh, you know, a child or being with a girlfriend, now we had that food. Or, or do you remember the smell of uh, regular gas? Oh, for sure. Uh, there's certain. There's a nobody remembers that. There's like a cologne that I can smell that'll immediately remind me of my granddad. There you right? go. Like um, immediately, uh, and I don't even know what it is, but it's like I smell it occasionally if I'm like in a doctor's waiting room. There'll be like somebody, an older dude there, older. and somebody's got it on. I go, and immediately I'll think back to my granddad shooting squirrels off his back porch or you know something like that. So you know, yeah. you, and that smell. This is very clean. But a deep, kind of a dark smell that it's typically an old spice or a, yeah, yeah. one of those, you know, uh, a, you know the smell. It's a clean, but it's like a, not a clean smell that I would like. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a funny thing. Uh-huh. When you talk about that, you talk about music and mind you of dad, okay, go ahead and cut the grass. We listen to a lot of music in the car. Yeah. You know, the 1978 oh, to 85 or so, you know, my mom listened to a lot of contemporary music at that time. So a lot of uh, VGs type stuff, you know, a lot of Chris Christopherson. That's, you know, that's the kind of stuff we listen to with mom. So when I hear those, that, you know, ABBA, we were, I was playing ABBA earlier on the guitar. Yeah, I wanted to kill you. I know. I, I probably, <laughs> so. But it reminds me of mom. Right. In, in our 1978 four-door Impala with no air conditioning in South Texas in the middle of the summer. And the windows rolled down because that's what we had. And, and I remember... That was air conditioning. That was it. That was it. The original grandmas or whatever and listening to, to the Bee Gees or some other terrible music. So it's funny how you talk about how that, that 
correlates with time. Yeah. Anyway, didn't mean to throw you off your subject. No, no, that, no that's, it's that's the same what we thing. needed it's to exactly be. That's because it. I was, uh, you know, Sirius XM pretty much has compiled everything that I've ever wanted in music with, without commercials. And there's an old uh, Willie's Roadhouse yeah. channel. Yeah, and you play this old country channel. And uh, fucking, who was it? That's that stupid song when I was a kid. I remember Harbor Valley PTA, yeah. Jeannie C. Riley. Yeah. That's her name. And how I know it was Jeannie C. Riley? Because my dad loved Jeannie C. Riley. He had her album. And, and whenever I hear that song, I think of him taking me uh, out to this uh, creek side in Central Texas, and we'd get the mini bike out of the trunk, and he'd let me go riding as far as I could go. Yeah, it was a Chevy Impala, believe it or not. Yeah, seventy. No, it was a '74 Bel Air. They had, a big, they had big trunks. But I remember that was the song that was always playing. Let me tell you a little story. About yeah. it. And every time I hear that one lick, I think of my dad out there just trying to pull start that goddamn uh, go kart. I, mean, I had a go kart like, like that with a two seventy-five cc. Yeah, like, yeah. It was a lot more. Mine was three point five. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you were talking about grandfather. You know, okay, my mom and dad, we listened to the radio in the car because that's where that's where you had access to music more than like, but your grandparents listened to it in the home, typically on a console or whatever. And why did they look at the radio? I'm like what they just <laughs> Yeah, everything they was oriented, you would stare at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if I hear a a, a Jim Reeves tune oh, yeah. or a Ray Price song, I think of grandma and grandpa being at their house on Saturday night, listening to the radio until 7 p.m. because at 7 p.m. that's when Hee Haw came on on CBS, and then you and this is like a Friday night, and then you have the Dukes of Hazard after that. BR 459? What is it? 549. Uh, 549, yeah. And then after that you had <laughs> Dallas and then Dynasty, you know. So that was, so you listen to the radio until 7 at Grandma's and they're like, fuck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> grandmas. And you watch TV, and it was always that shitty CBS lineup, that hillbilly lineup, you know. But the nights came Carol Burnett. Oh yes, or Benny what a Hill. great show! Benny Hill. Did you not just pray that when Benny Hill came on, you might see a titty? <laughs> you always thought there was a sh- chance. You, you thought there was a chance that you were gonna beat off. Oh, I remember when Barbie Benton from Hee Haw. <laughs> Oh. was in Playboy. God bless her. I stole that Playboy yeah. from my friend's older brother's room. He, oh, well. he showed it to me. He goes, like, hey, you want to see something? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, my older brother, man. She's got all these Playboy out. And he, oh, I'm like, I just watched her yesterday with my dad fully clothed, stealing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with Roy Clark. Uh, now, now I've got a new thing to Google. Clapping, clapping <laughs> hillbilly music, too. Yeah, she was dynamite. My God, she was beautiful. Okay, so what do we got? Is that it? That's it. This was great. I loved it. JR, where's your, what's your website so we can point people uh, that way? J-R-B-R-O-W, jrbrow.com. Awesome. And um, stick around for the end of this because I'm going to plug all of our upcoming dates, including all JR stuff. Man, if you ever get a chance uh, when you're out and about to catch JR, he puts on one hell of a show. He does. And you should I totally. He's funny. Hey, man, I'm not going to lie. There's, listen, <laughs> I'll tell you. I've been doing this for a long goddamn time. And there's only a handful of comics that you can end up liking. You're not one of them, but it's been a tremendous show. Watching you perform, watching the guitar. No, it's been fun watching. It's a fun show. People Absolutely. get engaged. Likewise. Good time. Good yeah. All right, we had a blast hanging out with J.R. Brow at Burnco. And now we're going to switch gears. We're going to hang out with Adam, uh, who uh, is owner-operator of Burnco has a great story. This dude is passionate about barbecue. Uh, let's sit down for a pit master minute and see what he's got to say. All right. 
Cooking. All right, we're back. It's a Pitmaster Minute, and we're with uh, Adam. What is your last name, Adam? It's Myers. Adam, Adam Myers. Myers. Adam Myers. We're at yep. Burn Co. And, uh, all right, here's the deal. All right, let's just, first of all, let's fucking cut to the chase. All right, fair enough? Let's do that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, in your, in your restaurant, in the back, there's a sign, uh, something about Texas. What does it say? Uh, it doesn't say anything. It doesn't uh, say. There's there's just a, a, an upside down longhorn. Is, is that, is that it's basically a fuck Texas. Oh, it's a, oh, oh the buck Texas. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay, all right. Here's and, and we're all from Texas, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you this much. I'm. Dare I say it? Say it. In all the episodes we've done so far, the best, the absolute best. The brisket's terrific. The beans. I don't know what's in the beans, but I love them. The potatoes. I, the potatoes, are, they were everything that's good. Is this yeah. something you're going to broadcast? Yes. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't guys, share secrets. You, you guys totally understand that that being in it, being from Oklahoma means you're instantly the, the barbecue bastard. That's right. I, I get it. Stuck between you're, Missouri you're stuck between Missouri and Texas, right? That's right. So, so, so all so you got to hear from anybody from anywhere else is all about that, right? I know. And so uh, so, so we, we, we have a little chip on our shoulder about it, you know? But but I a lot of a lot that. of fantastic pitmasters come from the state of Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, there are, at one point, there were more national and international champions and barbecue from the state of Oklahoma than any other state in the nation. Now, I'm sure, as Texans, you guys will research that and tell me whether or not it still holds true. I will. Uh, but at one point, it, it, it was a thing. Well, you know what? I don't think we're going to do any research because <laughs> I want it to be recorded that way right. because I'm, not, I'm that big of a fan. I love it. I, Burn Co. is, and we talked to a local guy. Fake news. Uh, yeah, that, uh, fake, yeah, we're going to keep it that way, uh, who said, uh, you know, well, you know, you can go to Burnco. He goes, that's the best place to go. He said, Oklahoma Joe's is another great place to go. And then Ralph goes, and I said, well, let's look at the Burnco place. Yep. You know, and I thought, I don't, I don't know. We'll check it out. And, and you know what? Home run. Not, we're not blowing it up your ass. I too. I, I, I'm, I'm a, am I a, am I a pit master or, or pit? You are you a junior pit master. Junior pit master. Junior pit master. Associate to the pit master. Um, and I, I'm in love. It's fantastic. Everything looks great about it. So tell us a little bit about Burnco. Uh, maybe How you a guys quick, been here? Yeah, about your type of thing. What's going on? Sure, I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, fairly short to you, for you guys. But I've been in this industry for over 18 years. I started out working for Hasty Bake, the company that manufactures the smokers that we use back then. Uh, you have a ton okay. of those. Yeah. So uh-huh. um, I started out working for them. They're a local company been manufacturing uh, uh, smokers since 1948. I started out working there where I was going to college. Uh, one of the cool perks of working in the manufacturing plant uh, was you got to cook lunch on the Hasty Bay. You'd have to clock out whenever you did it. Um, so I was poor and in college, so I cooked every single day. I got pretty good at cooking when I moved into the sales end of, uh, of working at Hasty Bake. Uh, when I traveled to different regions, uh, nobody cared about a Hasty Bake. And, and I know this is radio, so you can't see me, but I'm a 130-pound, sure. I, I, 5'4 uh, dude. And so nobody believed <laughs> that I was good at cooking meat. Uh, so what I started doing was, was uh, every place that I went, I cooked food. And everyone looked at me and said, hey, it's not this little tiny man. It's this magical machine, and that's how I sold uh, how I sold Hasty Bakes. Wow. And uh, that parlayed itself into a catering business and ultimately to uh, my barbecue joint. So how long have you guys been here? Uh, I've been in this location for, this is my fourth year. Uh, we were in a smaller location about uh, 1,500 square feet, a couple miles away down across the street from the University of Tulsa. Uh, we Same name? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, exact same name. Uh, we cooked in a trailer in the alley. Uh, we've always cooked on Hasty Bakes. Uh, the space was too small and we were too poor to buy Venahoods. 
So we got the health department to approve our smoker set up in the trailer in the alley. We cooked everything in the trailer in the alley for three years. Wow. You were cooking, I mean, you, were, you were cleaning, it wasn't a hasty bake, you were cleaning a big... That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's my own project. Uh, it's called the Boss Hog. Uh, Hasty Bakes are kind of uh, more residential size products. Uh, but I took all of my industry knowledge and built my own my own product, um, so I can have a lot more capacity. Um, my my restaurant here uh, typically sells out of barbecue um, before lunch should be over, I guess. Right. But I can't physically make anymore. Um, the, the the size of the Hasty Bakes. Um, limits what I can actually make. So uh, the Boss Hog has a smaller, smaller footprint um, than the amount of meat it's able to cook. So it counts for about one and a half Hasty Bakes footprint, but cooks as much food as five. Uh, and it's, it only uses as much charcoal as one, and I use uh, Stoker 2 uh, PLC to be able to run the whole machine. So, so it's not an offset smoke? No, no, no oh. sir, no, sir. A, a big part of, 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 uh, of our style of Q, and it comes from cooking on the Hasty Bake, and if you look back historically at, at, at barbecue, right, and again, tell me if I'm talking too much. But, no, no, you're good. But, this is it. But historically, barbecue was what was done in, in a pit that was dug in the ground. It was That's a graduated right. pit, so it was shallow at one end and deep at the other. They would take the animals, put them on green saplings, and they would start them where the pit is shallow, where the fire is directly underneath it, and it would begin to caramelize the outside of the meat. They would slowly move it further and further away from the fire, down the graduated pit till it got to the end. They'd put whatever seasoning they wanted to on it, sometimes go back over a pit to caramelize that, cut it up, and then serve. So what I noticed was that the direct infrared heat coming off the charcoal um, is able to cook the meat in a different way than just convection and conduction, which is what a regular offset has. Right, yeah. Right? There, there is no other product where the meat and the fire are really in the same box together, where the meat is exposed to the glowing orange infrared heat. But that infrared heat, is, it's not like traditional energy, right? It doesn't touch the outside and work its way in. It's actually an energy wave, like a microwave. So it penetrates all the way through the meat. So I'm able to cook the meat faster uh, and lose less moisture and still end up with a fantastic tasting product. Uh, the, the briskets and the pork that you guys had uh, in here today took us five to six hours to be able to make. Um, so Instead of 12. Yeah, yeah, 12 it's, yeah. it's not that I'm trying to take some sort of weird shortcut. It's that I found a way to be able to make the same quality of product without taking as long. Now, it's way more dangerous, right? The grease is dripping down yeah, onto yeah. the fire, right? And then the fire is trying to eat the meat. So it's a constant dance. You know, a, a lot of traditional pits, um, especially down in Texas where you guys are from, they cook over a, over a pit. It, right? Sure. They had a big long hogtail, they pick up the meat, move it around. Uh, they're usually moving closer or further from the fire to color the meat up and to get it done the way they want it to. So I utilize that type of cooking, but also with um, convection and conduction in the unit, especially with the stoker um, blowing and circulating the uh, the heat and smoke around there. Holy shit. So you love the ship. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah, do. I'm picking up Jesus. your enthusiasm. Yeah, so let me it. ask you this. So if you're talking to somebody who smokes meat at home, somebody who likes to barbecue, what do you think is a tip that you could pass on to them. Yeah, what's something you're willing to that'll free make up. them better? Uh, I would say uh, the the first thing is buy a meat thermometer, a nice digital meat thermometer. Uh, there's lots and lots of bad information about how long to cook stuff or what to do, but how, but for consistency, buy yourself a meat thermometer. Cook a cook a brisket or a pork. Just set a benchmark. So I'm cook it to 200 degrees internal temperature. I'm going to run my smoker at this particular temperature, and then write it down. Right. Mm -hmm. The problem with cooking barbecue is that it's so much fun. 
wine, especially when you're drinking beer or whiskey, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the food comes out awesome and you were a little too fuzzy to remember exactly how what it came out. Right. So now you can go back to a barbecue log and be like, oh man, I bought that meat from this store, right? Cooked it at this temperature with this type of fuel um, and it came out awesome, right? Because you're looking to achieve consistency and, and, and either you just screw up a lot of shit for a long time and eventually figure it out, or you can take a little bit of time to do a little bit of documentation and it shortens that learning curve significantly. But internal temperature, meat that's cooked to a certain internal temperature will always be 90% within the exact same texture, moisture content, uh, and overall quality. So whether it took you six hours to make it there or 10 hours to make it there, food cooked to a certain temperature is going to going to be texturally about the same. See, right? that's what I love, that's what I'm getting at. I love listening to the, the different methods because you're right. A lot of us, especially if you are from Texas, we're very pig-headed about it, and it's done this way. It's an offset smoker. It's got to be hickory or pecan wood. We're not going to use mesquite because it's it's too tarry. We're not going to use and coal or whatever. But you guys use, yeah, you're, you're doing it uh, directly. It's taking less time. Yeah. It's got a great flavor. Everything's right. That's what, that's what people have to realize. That there's different ways to get to that end result. You know, you got to find the best one. I think it shows that it's a bit more of an art than a science Absolutely. to do yeah. barbecue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I need to start like sort of dear diary. Here's how I did my barbecue today. So well, it's like you know, I mean, most any killer craftsman, any good engine builder, any good furniture maker, they all have drawings or notebooks yeah. of every single build that they do because because one, they they give a shit. Two, they want repeatability, right? They want consistency because I'm in the manufacturing business. I never worked in a restaurant before I opened my own. I worked in the manufacturing business. Um, so I look at this as manufacturing. We take raw product, we add skill and labor to it, um, and then we try to sell it for a profit. Uh, the difference is I have about a two-hour shelf time, uh, oh, and, and, yeah. and, my, and my overhead for the for the day, I have to predict at 4 a.m. what's going to happen at, uh, at 10.30. Boy, it is a prediction, and you've got to pray that, I mean, you had a ton of rain today, so you got to hope that the lines are right, that everything's there. And it you got sold out today. Yeah, 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 yeah we yeah. did. Uh, Fridays are typically a pretty busy day. Um, I think everybody that uh, that didn't have an outside job took the day off today and yeah, that's cruised true. in here for some Q. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, you know, we, we have a pretty eclectic mix. You know, we get everything from you know, we're we're energy energy town, so we get uh, lots of lots of energy energy folks. We get lawyers, uh, we get house painters, we get city street workers, uh, we get military, we get law enforcement, we get all, all kinds of folks. You had you had suits. You had dreads. You had uh, uh, you had folks of every uh, of every demographic. Soccer moms. Yeah, it was, yeah, all, it was yeah, all over yeah. the place. It was, it was cool. great. We were we were uh, Texans. We, yeah, Texans. Yeah. assholes. <laughs> there's a real. I don't know, man. I think barbecue is one of those foods. There's a real sort of communal. There element. is. So that's the whole point. Together. And that's like well, my, my my belief about people all the time ask me who's the best cue, right? What's the best cue? What's the right way? The thing about Q is it is the most subjective, I think, of all of the dishes you would eat except like apple pie. Because it depends on who introduced you to the Q as to what, where your profile sits. Right? Where it's at. Maybe it's your uncle or it's the neighbor across the street or your dad or your grandpa or your grandma or somebody that introduced you to Q and that sets the profile, whether it's spicy, whether it's sweet, whether it has heavy bark, whether it's served with sauce, without, without sauce, sauce. Yeah, yeah. whether or not we're beef ribs or pork ribs or, or I mean, whether we're, we're chicken thighs or chicken legs 
like chicken breast or whether we eat bologna, right? Some yeah. people don't even, I'm from Oklahoma, we eat bologna here, bologna, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, lots and lots of bologna. So um, it, it's, it, it, there is no right or wrong, just what you like. So uh, I take a lot of pride in the fact that a lot of people um, like the style of cue that I'm able to, uh, able to create. I tell you, up to this point, uh, Adam, probably the, uh, the, the best food I've had thus far, I think, uh, on these episodes, and I hate saying that, you know, because I don't, I don't want to disparage anybody else. They were all terrific, but uh, there were some choices that put me on the edge, and I'd have to say probably the most. He's raised the bar. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And yeah. such, you know, and when I when it first came out, I was like, oh, that's a lot of different kinds of meat. Right. What's going to be strong? What's going to be weak? And I kept trying to pick different things out and go, oh, they didn't really nail it here. Nope. Yeah. Every, everything Got I touched, it whether it was the sausage, the pulled pork. I'm not a big pulled pork guy. JR's like, oh, go ahead and get it. Try it. Put it in your mouth. I said, and, you won't even know it's pork. Oh, You're man. He's asked you a number of times the, to do that, though. The sliced brisket was killing Those pork ribs, dude. Terrific. And I'm not a rib guy. I loved them, you know? I can tell you, probably the most passionate uh, pitmaster interview I've ever done. Uh, yeah, so, excited, so, so you need, so uh, I don't know how much, you know, conversation there is between barbecue places. The, I'm a big fan of Stanley's in Tyler, Texas. You should reach out to Nick there and their pitmaster, Jonathan Shaw. I think you and Jonathan would be like, I think so too, yeah. Man. Well, the thing about it is, is most good pitmasters are busy working every single freaking day. Uh, totally. One of the other uh, good local guys is Max out of Skytook. And uh, whenever, before I opened my own place, when I used to work, I worked for, for a job a day, which is a coffee business, rather than a, a route they made coffee, I sold coffee anyway. Yes. I used to go there and eat uh, and eat Q, and uh, Adam is the pitmaster there, and he and I uh, hang out together and talk about meat and, 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 and drink beer. Yeah. Uh, here uh, whenever we finish service because you have to have somebody else that understands yeah. what you're going through. You totally. Know? Somebody else who, who's, who's following the trends and paying attention to, to what's happening because you know the independent guys are all trying to get crushed by uh, by, the, by, the, by the big corporate foot. So, yeah. Uh, the, the more we scurry around like cockroaches, uh, I think the better off we really are. Yeah. Love it. You should, I, yeah, I, man, I love this. I love what you guys are doing and I'm so glad we got to sit down and hang out with you today. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get some merch for a leave maybe we're on stage tonight. Yeah, dude. Promote it out. So, hey, thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Not at all.